Hey everybody and welcome to episode 122 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys and girls, welcome back to the show, episode 122. Rocking and rolling, getting uh, some good steam ahead here. So I hope you all well. Hope you, uh, if you're in England, hope you're enjoying the summer. And uh, if you're in America or in this part, this side of the uh, the world, I hope you're enjoying your summer. If you're on the other side, Australia, New Zealand, hope the winter's not being uh, too harsh for you. And I hope you're um, still able to get outside and uh, enjoy enjoy some of the fresh air, etc. Um, we've been we've had some reasonable weather over here. It's not been too bad. Um, a little bit grey recently, but it's picking up. So hopefully, uh, yeah, it's, it continues to be. We need some sun. I've just been thinking to myself recently. You now, every time I go away, I'm near the beach and I'm near the sea. It just feels like home. Feels like somewhere I need to be. So I don't know if you ever feel like that. You go. It's the same when I go around nature or in the woods. I just feel very much at home. Um, maybe it's just because we're also plugged in at the moment. Every time I'm around that, it just feels uh, like I should be there. Anyway. Um, before we get on to the episode, I just wanted to say, as always, if you're heading over to www.reviveyourself.co, we've got our shop there um, where you can find all the decent products you need. We've got our uh, supplements that you may need um, from Evolution Organics or Finchley Clinic. We've got our um, the whole house filtration systems from Aquatair for the water. If you've got one, two, three, or four bed house, soft or hard water. And we've got the Aries Tech EMF blocking devices. I've actually updated that. So you've got the 5G blocking devices too, which is really, really important seeing that's been rolled out now everywhere. Um, and we are updating the site. There are going to be more affiliate links on board too. Um, also dealing with getting the affiliate link with a really good probiotic company it should be phenomenal and essential oils um, from the essential oil wizard will be on there soon as well if you head on over to the website then you can put in the code revive and get 10% off there that's www.essentialoilwizardry.com and also blue blocks b-l-u-b-l-o-x.com code revive 10% off there for your blue blocking glasses uh, on the essential oil wizardry I think you have to put that in, in small letters to get it um, otherwise today's episode 122 is with Calvin Witcher who is a psychic a counsellor he's a prophet he's someone who's been doing what he does for a long period of time he talks to spirit and we have a fascinating conversation we're going to everything about what he does how long he's been doing it how he first come about doing what he does, who he helps, um, people that think it may be woo-woo and, and for what better word, bullshit. And we also go into a little bit about where the world's going, how he sees it going, and, and politics and his social movement. So without further ado, here is Calvin. Enjoy the show, and I'll see you on the other side. You can hear me now, hear me now. Great, good stuff. Nice to uh, <laughs> finally get in. Uh, yeah, nice to finally speak to you. Anyway, it's good. I got a. You uh, too. Yeah, no, it's. Um, so I, I, I can't remember who it was. I get. 
recommendations from people to come on the podcast and then oh my gosh i forgot who it was let me see i can um because i and i'm always like okay i'll check them out because i like to have a look at people before i don't just like get them on and i had a little look through your um your facebook and I had a little look on uh, on your website and i was like yeah interesting guy let's have a let's have a chat so uh it's nice it. it's nice to finally meet you you're out in california right you know, everyone's trying to get me to California, but I am in Texas. Oh, sorry, on your website, I thought you said you're in Hollywood, California, but maybe got I used to live there, so right. we were there for about nine years, give right. or take. Right. And we've been here in Dallas for three years, almost right. four. So why why did you leave Cali? It was totally a spiritual move, looking for a change. Um, but I would say I miss the weather in California. It's yeah. Incomparable. Yeah. California is probably one of my favorite places in the world. Um, I think it's, it's phenomenal. But I hear Texas is great as well. But I, I'm, I've got a friend in Austin, yes. and they say that's meant to be a little bit like California sort of vibe. But I don't know about Dallas. It is. It, it's a little California vibe. Um, the people are really nice, laid back. It has the hustle and bustle. It's a lot of water around. So it's it's a really good area. I like Austin. Right. And Dallas We've been there is, a couple of times. And so how does Dallas differ from that? Dallas is a little bit more settled, a little bit more business, family oriented. Like if you're looking to find somewhere to like really settle down, Dallas is really great for that. Dallas is great for like conferences, events, things like that. But it's a little slow, right. a lot slow. Right. Okay. So, okay. And how far apart are yeah. they, Austin and uh, Dallas? Quite a way. Four hours. Oh, so yeah, it's a long way. It's a long. It's long enough. It's, 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 it's a good. It's a good drive. Yeah, but I say it's an aeroplane. Right, really, right. You can get in there. Yeah, you can get there in 45 minutes, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's too long. Yeah, four, four hours is, I mean, it's a road trip. I mean, for us, that's a long, that's a, oh, I suppose it's like driving to Manchester. I'd probably get the train if I went to Manchester now. Train takes a couple of hours, driving's about three, four hours, and I just feel like, <laughs> you know, it's just anything over, anything, if it's a nice drive and it's down country roads and stuff like that, I quite enjoy it. But when it's just monotonous, as we say, motorway, we say think freeway driving, it just becomes a little bit tedious. You're like, I can't. <laughs> so you're in London, right? Yeah, I'm just outside. Like I'm in a place called Epping, which is just outside London. We're like the suburbs, Essex, London border. Um, and yeah, London gets gets pretty hectic. So yeah. Perfect. Yeah. My, I haven't been there yet. Or as my aunt says, haven't been there. But my um, I aunt that lives there, she's been there, gosh, since she was, I think, 17 right. or 18. Right, yeah, no, yeah, London's, London's wicked. How come you haven't been over here? I thought you'd have had, like, a conference or something over here. I haven't. I need to come and do a conference because I've had people in London and Australia saying, when are you coming? And I'm, we just haven't planned it. Right. So, so you're, so, mate, I've had a look. You do, um, so your retreats, are they main, I think, did I see Sedona? Do you go to Sedona? Yeah, we're going to be in Sedona this December. Yeah. Um, the 9th, I, I believe it is, through the 14th. Right. Yeah, so, that's, so we're doing retreats right now, workshops. Um, I do private sessions, mostly with business right. uh, owners right. as well. And we've got some other goodies coming up here, um, hopefully launching by the end of the month. Right, interesting. So right. Sedona, gets a really, yeah, Sedona gets a really good rep, right? There's lots of healing spirituality out there. It seems to be it is. a place. It's very nice. I mean, it used to be, um, and I guess it still is very much sacred territory to um, the Indian community, Native American community, and it gets a pretty good drawing um, or draw every year, or actually all the time. 
So it, yeah, it's very, very nice. Surrounded by red rocks. Very yeah. nice, calm. So, yeah. yeah, no, it has got that sort of fit. I mean, lots of people I know have, have done, I think they've done like different courses out there with, with, I mean, ceremonies, plant ceremonies, like breath work and different things like that. But so, so there's some people out there, Calvin, because obviously, you know, your, your audience probably uh, obviously know who you are. But for, for my guys and girls and for everyone else listening, what's, I mean, you, you, you I mean, you're like a, a man who wears many hats, I should say, having looked at you. So one of the things like you said, I think it was on your site, you said, uh, I'm a prophet, a psychic medium, a channeler, a counsellor, an executive and a life coach. Yes. I mean, that's a lot of different things. So for me, it's, it's awesome. And I want to go into I want to go into him, but a prophet, for people out there, people go, he's a prophet. So let's just, let's unpack that one for me, Kevin. What, what, what would you say is, is a prophet and what, and what? Yeah, and what um, are your profit-like, I don't know, profit-like features? So what, what happens? That's a really good question. A lot of faiths have profits. Not all, but a lot of them have profits. Um, and they range in different capacities. So um, sometimes a profit is someone that is leading a group, a faith. They're really um, charged with leading the vision as it were, um, which I do that. We have a, a really nice following a community internationally, and I really help to stir that vision along. Uh, so that's one part of it, for sure. Uh, the um, next part is that spirit speaks to me. I say God and spirit. That's just my, my terminology. And a lot of how that conversation works is I'm helping people to know what's coming up in the future, um, what spirit, what God is saying over their life, helping them to really align with their destiny, as it were. Um, I believe that um, a prophet also has uh, supernatural abilities, and we see that um, happen a lot with um, with my work where people, like, I think two weeks ago we had someone, even on the live stream, that got healed of breast cancer. Mm. We have people that get um, healed of, you know, other things, restore relationships. Um, we I do readings with people and other guidance where it's really helping people to understand where are they now? What are those things that they don't really see? And as a prophet, I help to have that divine insight into their life that I believe is very, very unique. Uh, and also with prophets, they have a unique ability to be a catalyst for getting people out of where they are. I feel like a lot of people just are stuck. Um, in their life and they really don't know where to go. And most of that is just from a place of not knowing what to do, which is fine. Actually, there's a, it's funny, there's a big part of what I do that is in the unknown. And I love that. I, I think unknown activates faith. And so as a consequence, anyone that says that they have faith, they believe in something, I believe that they actually um, live and walk in the space of the unknown, which most people don't really think about it that way. As a prophet, I'm someone that's very, very comfortable with saying like, well, while, yes, spirit is speaking to me, while I know certain things, I am helping to relieve a lot of frustration for you while you don't necessarily have to activate your faith as much. Because if you knew what was going to happen with your job in two weeks, if you knew what, what was going to happen in your, with your business in three months, if you um, knew a direction that you should go versus another direction, it would reduce a lot of frustration in your life. So... I'm, I'm kind of like a divine um, voice of hope <laughs> for a lot of people. And um, so in a nutshell, that's the, the prophet side of things. And honestly, I believe, too, that prophets, or me specifically, have a unique ability to cut through the clutter. Um, 
I think a lot of people are searching for some voice, whether that is the voice of social media, the voice of friendships, the voice of hearing something on the news that helps them to live a better life. I think we're all searching for that clearer voice that helps us to move forward a little bit better. And I believe that a prophet is someone that has a very, very unique ability to cut through the clutter and the chaos and all of the confusion to hear very, very clearly, like, here's the next move. Here's who you are. Um, this is not your destiny. Uh, you're meant to do more. And it's great. And sometimes it's confirmation and sometimes it's um, completely new to people. And it's it's a fun journey um, all around. It's a fun journey. <laughs> it's There's so much I could get into there. Right. So especially with, so, I mean, with the, with telling someone that something's going to happen, it does, it, or it's, it's not going to happen. It does, it can really frustrate. I mean, so much of what we do is in our head, you know, they're saying the man who thinks he can't or the man who thinks he can, both are right. And when you give someone that underlying belief, yes, you can achieve it, it can change their sight, it can change their state, everything, and they can go for something. You know, it's like the state of fear and the state of, uh, of um, it's fear and what's it, um, focus, or certain things that, I mean, they can be very, I mean, it's, it's all based on, it's all based on what goes on in your head, your state. And so believing something's going to happen, it's like when a doctor says, oh, you're going to die in two months. People do. Or six months. People do. Because they, they just believe in, the, in that sort of thing. And then it's like, so when you're saying that, I completely understand. And, it's, and that comes from, is that from you telling them and taking away their fears so they really go for something? Or is it because you're just guiding them down that life, that life path? You know, there's so many, I mean, I don't care, if it's placebo, I couldn't care less. If it works, it works, you know, this is the thing for me. Right. I, I think placebo is a massively underrated, uh, underrated um, thing that people people don't, don't necessarily think, oh, it's placebo. Placebo is huge, but I mean, also people, I dropped my pen, people um, <laughs> can, can get um, huge results from placebo, but I do deal with, with a the psychic medium myself, so I know the powers that she's ah. done for me. Yeah, for, yeah, and I've had her on the show. She's phenomenal. Maybe we could link you two up. Her name's Lorraine Radcliffe, and people have got please do. People have been like Ryan. She's told me stuff that no one else knew, and Ryan, she's got me out of this situation, and, I, and she cleared my mind. And if and she does that to me a lot. I'm like two rows, and I and she goes, "Your gut's saying you this, isn't it?" I'm like, "Yes," and she's like, "Go with your gut," or like certain things. But when you say things like, because I want to get into that. But when you say things yeah. like, I've had someone cure themselves of cancer, people be like, whoa, bullshit meter. Like, what are you on about? I, I, yeah, yeah. Listen, it's so funny because I, I've always been a prophet. I feel like that I chose this before I showed up in this physical space. I also believe that it was a divine calling that, you know, spirit really put um, on me. So that besides that part, it's a very, very interesting thing. I actually live so much in the unknown. I am borderline agnostic in a lot of my work. And I believe that I have to be and it's necessary to do the work that I do because I am connected with so many people, so many situations that I have to have a high degree of um, suspending my own belief system with everything because a lot of what I do is define the laws of gravity. It's the line that falls of laws of nature is to define the laws of expectation for people. So there's a high degree with me if I operate in my natural state of consciousness. 
that I I would think, oh my gosh, this is cancer. Doctors can't do this. They go to school for 20 years to study this, and they have all of this medical, you know, technology and science backing them. Who are you? Uh, what happens if it doesn't happen? And how does that affect your reputation, et cetera, et cetera? Now, the beauty about this is. I've been doing this for over two decades, almost three decades at this point. So we have, or as I like to say, we have the receipts. <laughs> so we have people that have, and, and I'm a big person about this. I, I say it all the time that I'm very much an evidence, what I call an evidence-based um, leader, practitioner, meaning that I expect proof. I expect for people to verify. I expect for people to show up with a doctor's report or confirming it in some way, because I believe that that helps to build the faith. And I believe it also helps to validate the experiences. And so it's funny. I actually don't tell anyone to believe me. I, I ask them to believe their own experience. And that's always my goal. Is it a placebo effect? I believe, yes, sometimes it is a, a placebo effect. And I think that that's powerful. It's no different than a, a parent encouraging a child at a football game. You can do it. Don't worry. Is there a chance that the child is going to lose the football game? Of course. Of course. But that one shift in their consciousness acts as a catalyst for encouragement, hope. It builds up something within them, whether we call it adrenaline or whether we just call it awareness, that it allows for them to push a little bit harder, a little bit more committed. So placebo is very strong. Now, I will say on another level, a lot of what we do is not placebo. It's very much, and it's very much from a standpoint of asking people to... Let me be their arm of faith. Let me be their, you know, rock of truth. Well, this to is, give me. This is what I wanted to say to you. I want to get Kevin with that, but I just want yeah. to say this is not me because I'm playing devil's advocate here, Calvin. Okay, because in the day, oh, I, I, I believe in this. But I, and one of the things you said, like, and you said there, that's coaching. If I, if I, someone I trust, someone I really trust, really value, tells me I can do something. I go on that pitch and I do it because I because I'm like yes. whoa they've believed it, um, and like believing is huge and it's, it's this is not me saying I don't believe you but I just want people out there who are saying whoa 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 because this is the thing there's a thing out there called the 1939 Cancer Act that you might know about which says that yes. you, yeah it says that you can't cure cancer by anything apart from surgery chemotherapy and radiation and I mean, I let the audience out there we've talked about it before make their own mind up about why that is um, even though people have been quote unquote curing cancer for hundreds of years you know and and, yes. and so look i believe there's many ways that, that disease the body the body in disease and the way it gets you don't get cancer with bad luck you don't get it overnight it takes 10 to 12 years other things can cause it so i want you to carry on this is not me saying i don't believe you this is just me playing devil advocate so i want you to understand um where i'm coming from because people will say well how the hell can someone cure their self of cancer on a call Right, and just, so so it's this it's just sorry you were saying about it's not placebo. So I just wanted to get that in there, just so you understand where I was coming from. No, I love that. No, I, I actually like that, and I actually like a, a nice, healthy form of skepticism. Mm. A lot of the people that come to me or experience my work have either one never experienced a the supernatural. Some people have experienced psychic mediums. I make a distinction with that for me that I think that they're different things, um, and so I actually think that that's in a sense, a very healthy version. I think people that start as skeptics but have their experience become so much more stronger in faith than people that maybe are used to spirituality. I actually do my best work with people that are skeptics. Yeah, I can I imagine really that. Yeah, I, same, same it, with me, yeah. I get it, yeah. 
Yeah, so I actually prefer it, and I, I um, encourage it in a lot of cases. But I will say, yeah, sometimes it's a placebo effect, and then sometimes I'll say it is simply just divine power, which is unexplainable. It is a miracle. It is a, a defiance of that that law. And so a lot of times what I'll ask people is, allow me um, work with the transference of trust. You may not trust, but I have enough trust for the both of us. I'll give you a good example. I have one of our um, members. She's been following our work for years now, I think like three, four years. And she's had several different experiences. She's a partner with our ministry. She's been a part of our memberships. She's done private readings with me and sessions before, things like that. And she was a part of a group that I had, a, a small group reading that I did. We had like eight people on that that particular call, I believe it was, maybe six to eight people. And this was actually last, so this is July right now in the time I recorded this. And this was last November, end of last year. And in that call, and I always start, I say, don't tell me anything. I have no idea at all. Like, just please keep all the information to yourself. That's just how I prefer to work. Because mm-hmm. I don't like the um, the clutter of people giving me information. Because a lot of times people unknowingly will lead, try to lead you into an answer. And I prefer to come from a blank slate. And so I start the reading. And I just start making decisions with everyone. I start talking about things, bringing up situations. And I uh, looked at her because it was on online. And I said, hey, I'm seeing your dad. And I see your dad's um, jaw really, really swollen. It almost looks like a golf ball. Like he fell on it, like he hit it or something. I, and I started describing what was happening with her her dad. Now, mind you, uh, I think maybe I'd met her dad maybe one time at, at this point. And I don't talk to them. They, they live away from us. And we, don't, we didn't know any of the situation. And so as it came to that, I said, there are a couple of things that are happening with your dad, I said, one is he has a, an infection that has really taken over and the doctors haven't been able to figure out what's happening with it. The other side of it is they're also talking about that they believe that it's um, cancer and you're a little afraid. I said, your dad has two things happening. It is cancer, but I don't want you to be afraid. So you need to listen to me very, very carefully. It is also, um, he's got a really bad infection and the infection is mostly what's causing the swelling right now, not the particular cancer. And so I started to give her some insights into what was happening and I started giving her instructions. And I believe that's the the biggest distinction also like with with prophetic and versus psychic. Psychic a lot of times will give you the insights to help give you that hope. I believe that the unique aspect of a prophet is that giving you instructions to shift your life where you need to go, right? And there, it's very, very specific. So I told her, I said, okay, your dad has cancer. He's got um, this issue with his jaw. I said, um, you've been to the doctor several times. At this point, she's crying. She's like, yes. Yes, all of that. And I said, I want you to go to the doctor again this week. And I want you to say exactly what I'm going to have you say and do exactly what I'm going to have you do. One, have them give your dad um, stronger antibiotics. I said, they've they've given him some before. It did not work. Trust me, give him some more. It's going to get rid of that, um, the, the swelling and also the infection with your dad, with the jaw. And it's going to start going down. It's going to take a little bit longer because he's older, his body, things like that, but that will work. Now, the other side of what's going to happen is your dad, yes, does have cancer and they're going to want to operate. They're already talking about cutting his jaw out. Now, this is a true, true story, happened several months ago. 
I said, they're talking about trying to cut open your dad's jaw and possibly, you know, getting rid of it because they believe that that's the cancer. They're trying to cut it out. Do not let them do that. I said, do not let them do that. I said, because it's not the cancer and it's not located there. Your dad's going to go through a, a horrible, unnecessary situation. I said, and matter of fact, if you do that particular procedure, it is going to kill your dad. Listen to what I'm saying. Went through the whole process, still talking to her. And I said, get the antibiotics. You're going to go to you're gonna get rid of the doctor that you, that you have right now. I said, he's going to be super upset. I said, and what, what's going to happen is as soon as you do that, you're going to find another opportunity for your dad with a doctor. And it's going to be a trial research. I said, it's new. No one's heard of it before, but you're going to find it. I said, within a week of getting rid of your doctor. Your doctor's going to be super upset. And he did. He he came to her and said, look, your dad is going to die in two weeks if you don't have this surgery. This is irresponsible. Yeah, I get all the time. Yeah, here, this is stories we get all the time. And I told her, I said, you need to hear my voice in your ear and in your head the entire time because you, I know that this is your dad and I know that this is traumatic and I know this is a huge leap of faith for you to trust me on this. But you've had experiences with, with me for three years now. I have never been wrong. Everything that I've said has come to pass. This is no different. So she did everything happened, got the new treatment. Um, the doctor came back to her uh, after they saw all of the tests, all the information. And the doctor told her, we're glad that you didn't listen to us. And I'm sorry that I got upset with you. Had you listened to us, your dad would have been dead. It is July the 11th right now. Her dad is doing well. He's driving. Cancer's gone. Uh, the swelling has gone down, doing very, very better. Matter of fact, I think his body is doing better than it was prior to this situation. So it's very interesting for me is that we have those experiences and I've had those experiences for over two decades. So the level of faith and trust I have in this realm is it's a lot stronger well, well, than well, words well, like cancer. Someone would, someone would say, and I, I completely, I'm with you, Calvin, but someone would say, well, how about all the people that you said that to that have died? One, thankfully, I've never had that happen. <laughs> um, but does it happen? Yes. Now, have I had situations that, and I love this conversation because I'm very open about how this work occurs. Um, now, have there been situations that I have prophesied something or seen something and it did not happen? Yes, absolutely. I, I, I have a few stories like that. And I, I believe I know why that occurs. One is, I, I look at it like this. When I am speaking, I am echoing the future. I believe that um, everything in our life right now is simply a memory for God. We're living in the past of God's mind. And everything that we are to have in our life and possess in our life, I really feel like it's a desire that God would have. Now, the desire of that, um, divine heart and our decisions to manifest those desires, I feel like are two different things. And as a prophet, I do believe there is a, a strong ability where I can push um, or override that in a lot of cases like cancer. I, I feel like I can override that, that process that's happening with the body. And then there are other times I feel like are very, very strong um, will-based decisions. But I usually make a distinction with that. Usually with me, if I am in that space of feeling like they they have a strong creative pull on it, I say I'm working more psychically at this point. And the psychic part of me says like, okay, 
I have the insights what I see coming down the road, but I feel like there's a variable. You can go either way. And to me, I'll say that's my psychic side. The prophetic side of me is very, very strong where I'll say, no, this is going to happen. Is that based on them then? So it's based on how they would take And so I feel like the psychic makes a distinction between the will of the person versus the the prophet makes a distinction between the word of God on that person's life that is immovable. It's Mm -hmm. unshakable. It is going to happen. Um, You know, and, and I feel like on that level, it has nothing to do with the person's will because I've had given prophecies before. I, I mean, we had one this past month, well, not July, but in June with someone. Oh, sorry, a couple of months ago. It was about nine months ago. I'm thinking of someone particularly. And I told her, um, again, not knowing anything, I said, you're going to get birth again. And it's going to be a boy. And um, it's going to be great. And you're going to, um, the boy will, you know, be born like about 10 months from now. She's like, well, I don't know how that would happen because I can't have any more kids, et cetera, et cetera. She says, but I want more kids. I was like, okay, well, touch base with me in about nine months or so or several months later and let me know what his name is. So that baby is born now. (laughs) Um, And we have situations like that where people have said, well, medically, that would be a miracle, but they still have those situations. To me, that has nothing to do with someone's will. That's just the power of it. Now, I believe that it's funny because a lot of people won't talk about this. I believe on the psychic side of things, um, I believe that what happens is, and I will say sometimes on the prophetic, but very rarely, is that it's not always about the, a false prophecy or a false word from a psychic. I believe sometimes it's a matter of false reciprocity, meaning that people don't follow the instructions, mm-hmm. or meaning sometimes people are not in the state of consciousness that allows for something to manifest mm-hmm. like it needs to. So it's almost like if I gave someone a seed, you know, um, to plant something, flowers or whatever, well, I can give you that, you know, all the ingredients that you need, but if you don't water it, if you don't take care of it, then it's just not going to grow. Yeah. I've done this with people with jobs, like, hey, you're going to get a job, you need to go apply for this you know, position, et cetera, et cetera, and they don't do it. Well, I don't know what to tell you on that. You're just not going to get the job. Yeah, it's not magic. It's not, it's not going to happen. It's not magic in that particular sense. So I think it's both. I think there's a part of responsibility on the recipient. I think there's a responsibility on the pr- practitioner and how they communicate. But yeah, and I also believe, too, it's funny that I would say this. I believe there's an aspect where practitioners can lie for, to people. It's funny. I actually believe affirmations are a lie. It, it's a positive reinforce. It's a positive aspect of a lie, but it's still a lie. Now, I've never heard anyone else teach it like that. But that's my perspective on it. But if you, as an example, if someone is struggling financially, and I say you need to give yourself affirmations that you are, you know, you are wealthy, you are wise, you are abundant, you are affluent, you are prosperous. Well, in the current state, that's an absolute lie because that person's bank account may be in the negative. If someone is struggling with cancer, other diseases, and I start giving them affirmations, you are healthy, you are whole, you are restored. Well, that's a lie, presently. I believe there's an aspect of divine words that is very much lie-driven. But it's a lie, it's almost a necessary lie. It's meant to help shift people out of where they are. And I believe that spirit does lie or allows that lie to get us where we need to be. So as an example, I've had it before um, where I've told people like, oh, no, 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 um, this is going to be okay. And it got worse. 
And sometimes that's from a standpoint of helping someone not to make the situation better. Sometimes it's a very much a placebo effect for them to not keep in a state of anxiety to make situations um, go another, a whole different way. It, it's almost like when someone gets angry and sometimes people get angry, they kind of keep escalating and escalating and escalating until they make the problem much bigger than what it is. Mm-hmm. So I do believe that a lot of times psychics, mediums, etc., have this divine and keen ability to introduce something that may is very, very false in the present, but the goal is to reduce a negative outcome in the in the future. And that's the battle. So sometimes it's not always about giving someone an accurate word. So sometimes bit. it's about making sure that people don't sabotage themselves in a worse situation three months from now and then be healthy. So then a month after that, they can then receive what they actually need to receive. So it's, it's an interesting so a little situation. Bit, so a little bit like when Neo goes to the Oracle and she tells him, you're not yes. the one. And, you're not the one. And, Absolutely. And she needed to hear he needed to hear that to become the one. Absolutely. And I will say that's a perfect example because, and again, um, these are things that I've learned with Spirit over the years and I've learned to get comfortable with it because it's absolutely like Neo and the Oracle. You're not the one. I'm sorry, baby, she says, yeah. you know. Um, and, and it shakes Neo for quite a bit. You know, until that time that Neo has no other choice but to stand up and be the one. And he realizes why she said that. Did she lie? Absolutely. Absolutely. But here's what she here's the I would say maybe a deeper level of that. She's actually also right, because in Neo's current state, he was not the one Mm. in Neo's state of consciousness. He had not owned into being the one. So there are times when I'm talking to someone to say, you know what, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get that situation or that job or that relationship because you have not owned into it right now in your heart. And until you do that, I can't activate you into a, a role that you won't take responsibility of. Yeah, I completely understand. It, it becomes irresponsible spiritually. It's yeah. like um, one of my favorite quotes from Jim Ron, where he says, uh, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of self-development. Because success yes. isn't something that happens to you. It's something you become. And it's like the habits. It's about you and your habits and what you do daily. And there's some great atomic habits, Miracle Morning. There's things that people like. The success leaves clues. And you know, you've got to become that person. You know, very. I mean, you might get the divine or miraculous happening every day. Then, but by doing all these things that put you in that sphere of achieving or whether it be health, finance, success, business, whatever it may be, there's certain things that people in the world that, that are doing really well are doing on a daily basis, weekly, monthly, yes. yearly. And so I completely understand. So I want to get into a few things, especially like go, I want to go back uh, as well. <laughs> but just, 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 just because it's the thing about doctors as well, it's, it's, it's hilarious. They don't like, believe all this and then they say, I mean, like the, um, uh, it's becoming more apparent to them like it's in in especially like say it's getting more mainstream where they are understanding the metaphysical i mean this is the thing they they think that uh psychics and, and shaman and like they don't even understand that the way that their, their medicine comes from plants and those plants were picked by a shaman who picked that yes. medicine because they talked to the plants and they right. think and they're like oh it's all it's all it's all hocus pocus do you understand where your medicine comes from son like um you've done seven <laughs> years of a doctorate and you haven't got a clue about nutrition the very drugs that you're given come from 
those plants and they have been synthetically that's why anyway we don't get into that but it's just like it's funny how they don't believe it even though based on there's a great book out the secret life of plants um other, other ones yeah it's a very good book yeah yeah and uh it's, it's phenomenal and so this, this is the things that it's, it's quite ironic when, when they actually understand this and but one of the things that one of my mates would be like right okay because i'm gonna go i'm gonna go back we're gonna go back calvin but just before that my mate one of my mates would say well if he knows all this about you why can't i give you the lottery numbers why can't you give me the lottery numbers <laughs> You know, that's a very good question, and I, I believe it's because, um, you know, it's so funny. I get this, or I haven't gotten this question um, in a long time, but I think it's a valid question. As a healer, I get this more often, which is to say, well, if you can heal, why not just go into the hospital and clear everything out? You know, clear everybody out. Or why is why do we still have AIDS in the world of all these healers exist? Same thing with, you know, the psychics and prophets. Well, why, why hasn't no one done the lottery? Well, it's interesting. Here's why I believe that's the case for me. Maybe not for everybody, but just for me. As a prophet, I'm more concerned on your destiny, not specifically um, a few dollars that will make you temporarily happy. And so do I believe that the lottery has anything to do with anyone's divine destiny? No. So as a consequence, the lottery doesn't ever come up in my, my consciousness or my mind frame. It's interesting. I actually believe that the lottery would cause most people to sidetrack themselves from their destiny. So for me, for someone that is extremely focused on someone's destiny, for you know, me telling them, hey, you're meant to start a nonprofit to help, you know, hungry kids in Africa, or you're meant to start a new business and you're going to give jobs to 200 um, people with your business, or you're meant to start a chain of restaurants to help introduce healthy living and lifestyle to thousands of people on the planet to then also on the same mind frame to say, Oh, you know, by the way, here are the lottery numbers so you can win the lottery next week. So people don't actually do their destiny because most people wouldn't, if they won $200 million, they take a vacation to London and a trip to Australia. And then they buy a castle in Germany and then they would fly around the world and do a whole bunch of other things and short change the potential that's on their life. And I believe that that would be extremely irresponsible for anyone to do because your life, your destiny is interconnected and interwoven with a lot of other people. The degree by which that we live in our destiny is the degree by which change comes to other people's life. So for me, on the prophetic level, for me to sit here and even think about, well, what are the lottery numbers for, for someone I have to look at it like this. The person that wins the lottery, what if that person is the person on the planet that has to cure to AIDS in their consciousness? By them winning the lottery, I could potentially throw them in a whole other path and really push the cure to AIDS back maybe 20 or 50 years by that one decision. And it's interesting, I don't think people would think about it and process it that way because I know how most people, most people are very idealistic. And I don't think that's bad. I think it's just very idealistic because most people would say, well, no, 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 no. If they won the lottery, then they could put all that money towards research, et cetera, et cetera. Well, here's the reality. We have enough history and patterns with people that have won the lottery that that does not occur. It just, it just doesn't. And it's almost like the story we said with Neo. There is a high degree of the unknown and challenge that pushes us into our faith and our destiny. And when we're comfortable, we do not do that for the most part. And so being comfortable is oftentimes the enemy of your destiny. And I'm not advocating 
poverty at all because I'm, I, I'm a firm believer that people need to be stinking, filthy rich, especially if they're spiritual practitioners or, or conscious people. Your conscious business owner, I mean, I, I pray that you are the wealthiest businesses on the planet because conscious, I believe conscious people have the, um, the best interests of the planet and people at heart and money allows for that influence and impact on the world. So please make all the money you can. Um, and on another level, I will say, I think that that is, that's a mindset that people grow into. And that is not an overnight development with people. And the lottery short changes that growth of consciousness with people. And it doesn't allow for people to have a money mindset. It allows for people to have very much that microwave mindset, which is give it to me now. I deserve it. I owe it. And when I do get the lottery, then I'm just going to chill and do nothing because I've struggled so far to get to this point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know. With me, I'm not necessarily in that space to do that. But to be fair, I do have situations and conversations with people, especially business owners, where I am talking about money. You're going to do, get this multi-million dollar deal. You are going to get this contract. You are going to get this new job. Um, and all of that's based upon financial abundance and prosperity. I believe that the difference with the lottery versus um, maybe someone coming into a windfall of cash, inheritance, or maybe a new job or clientele is that one is on the path to their, you know, their destiny, and the other one's just on a path to them being comfortable. And I think that's the distinction why most people have not have have never prophesied really the lottery. I don't believe they really know why, but I believe that's the underlying reason why. That has not occurred. Mm. And I'll say too, I think what happens it cheapens the gift. I, I really, I really think it does. I think what happens is it, it becomes almost this. Um, well, it's it's very interesting. I'll say it like this: when I am dealing with someone, let's say cancer, I'm dealing with the odds of that one person recovering, which is a 50-50 chance. It either is right or it's not right. But I'm dealing with one person, maybe the faith and expertise of a doctor and maybe the family. When you start talking about the lottery, you're talking about a one in how many millions of people's chance to win. So the, the degree of faith with me healing people in a group, maybe with 100 or 200 people, is completely different from the level of faith for me to have to say you're the one person out of 200,000 people or Two million people that is going to win the this lottery, and the chances of picking the right numbers, the combination, the high degree of accuracy, it, it would. I believe that there is a better use of that gift and power than the lottery. I would say use that gift to find the next, you know, um, pedophile that's out there. You know, use that gift to find the next terrorist. Use that gift to find um, why cancer isn't being healed. That that one ingredient that maybe is you know, not causing the medicine to take hold. I believe that there are so many other ways that, um, or uses for that gift other than the winning the lottery that I just can't even process thinking about it that way. <laughs> but that, again, that's just me. No, 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 that's, that's a great answer. I mean, it's just, it's just interesting. I'm just asking questions that I know people would say, they'd be like, well, if he's that good, he can, but it's, people don't understand, as you said, it's your path. And most people that win the lottery, you know, they're broke within a certain amount of time because they don't know how to but getting rich and staying rich are very different. They're also the hero's journey or going for your own journey. I think it's a huge part of it. And like 
battling the, the demons, getting through those demons and, and like being reborn again. I think it's a huge part of it. Anyone who's got their own business, anyone who's especially in the health world or health industry or healing, you know, went through years of tears where I wasn't earning money, could have easily packed it in. You get through that, you come out the other side and it's all part of your journey. It's all part of your experience. It's all part of understanding who you are and growing. Right. I think that right. is a huge part of it. And so this is... Yeah. And I will say, I will just add this too. I think... And I, I believe we you just touched on it. The the problem with the lottery is that for the most part, it is people that already have a poverty mindset and or are poor. Yeah. You, I've never ever ever heard anyone that is a business owner making six figures or a millionaire saying, "I'm going to play the lottery. I hope I win two hundred million dollars." I've just never heard it. And so the problem becomes is that. I believe that for someone to even engage in that conversation about the lottery, I think it's a huge disjustice for that that person as well, the the, the um, recipient. Because I would say, I think statistically, at least from my experience, it is mostly people that are impo- impoverished or in a poverty mindset that are looking for that quick fix. And here's the problem. That, again, this is just honest. People might not like it, but it is what it is. Um don't worry about just that, mate. Your... Don't worry about that. Just get on with yeah. it. I, 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 uh, don't worry about it. Offen- offense, it just... offense isn't given. Offense is taken. Go for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm a firm believer of that. And so here's my thing. I would rather spend my energy helping someone to not be poor, not have a poverty mindset, not have a quick fix to get out of their troubles. I think that poverty is extremely selfish. I think that if you're poor, you are wholly focused and centered on what is in it for you. I think the lottery is a keen example of that. Um, very rarely do people say, I want to win the lottery so I can build a homeless shelter. I want to be- win the lottery so I can go to Indonesia or to China or to Africa and build wells. I want. I- I've yet to hear people talk about that with the lottery. People talk about the lottery. I'm going to get a car. I'm going to get a mansion. I'm going to get this, I'm going to move here, I'm going to travel. So I believe that anyone that prophesies the lottery is feeding into the impoverished and selfish mindset for a whole group of people. I think that that is the worst, you know, use of an ability. And I would call somebody out on that. I just think it's stupid. Personally so. Unless someone is actually saying, um, I am going to write up a, a contract with you as the prophet, as the psychic, that if I win, all of this money goes to St. Jude's Hospital in Los Angeles to help, you know, help that hospital, help uh, curing families and supporting families that have children with um, life threatening diseases. Now we have a conversation. I partnered with that side of it, but here's the reality. I don't think most anyone would take me up on that because they want the money. So, the challenge is if you already have that mindset of selfishness and greed and lack, I mean, here's the reality. Any other, anything else I say, you probably wouldn't trust me anyway. You would be critical of it. You would. It has nothing to do with you. So even when it comes to your destiny, you probably don't even care about your destiny because your destiny is encompassing how you will affect and change the world. You only care about, you know, am I going to, you know, Marry the person that I want to. And I think those, again, I think those are selfish readings. I don't I don't like to do those readings. If, you know, should I marry this person? Am I going to get engaged next year? I think that's selfish. That's just about you. And I think those are answers you can ask yourself. Do you want to be married? Do you want to have a spouse? Are you even spouse material? You're probably just mean. 
I don't think you need a psychic for that. And I don't mind telling you that. I think it's a waste of money. I won't take your money. Sometimes you need a counselor. You need a counselor to help you work through your trauma and your insecurity. You don't need a psychic for that. You know, somebody will take your money. I just won't take it because I think it's, it's a poor use of my ability and my purpose. Well, if someone's really struggling with something like love or something like meeting a partner that they want, um, or say what, because, I mean, they feel like they know themselves or they know what they want and it hasn't come up in their life yet. Um, I mean, that's a bit different to, uh, I mean, do you know, I mean, same as anything, you know, also there's there's good and bad, obviously, psychics as there, as there are plumbers and everything else. And you said before, like, you know, you take people's money, but if someone is really struggling around that or they're dealing with a situation where they don't know which way to go, I'm sure you, you'd be probably okay with, like, helping me through that. I mean, not just, like, I'm coming to no, you, I want, yes, I want on love. on that side. Yeah, yeah, I just want, I Absolutely. want love. Yeah. But the challenge, like, I'll give you good examples. With me, oftentimes, I am very much focused on the the source mm-hmm. of the question, not the substance of the question or the surface asking of the question. So if someone is, well, one, most of the time, I don't know what people are going to ask anyway. So that's one aspect of it. I just don't know. Um, there are times when I do a reading, depending on, on the structure, where I'll say, listen, you have up to three questions ask those questions when you get in, right? But that's not one of my premium readings. Um, yeah, but, I, I, so saw, I, someone, I saw that in your website. You've yeah. got different prices all the way from, I can't remember what it was, it's all the way from like quite small to thousands. What is that? Yeah, different, different I have. Time, different time Yeah, it, they do different things. So for instance, when I'm online, I'll do like impromptu readings. I have what I call a fast pass, and that ranges from like $45 to $100, give or take. And it just allows for them to ask me one question, Sometimes, well, maybe two in that space of time. And I, it's just really, really quick. So if someone asks me, hey, you know, um, am I going to get – I'm dating someone right now. Um, how do you see it turning up? Well, okay, I'll answer that. It's very, very quick, very simple. I see you um, with this person. Um, I see him proposing for you. It's July. I see him proposing in September. And get it, you guys getting married around April of next year. Yeah. Or you're dating someone right now and you're you settled for this person and he's not really what you want. You are really thinking about somebody else, but that person is actually engaged to somebody else right now. And the person that you're with provides a level of comfort for you and you don't want to let him go because you don't want to be lonely. Connection and love, right? People people right. people want love, but they settle for connection. Right. And I have those radius all the way up to, you know, a couple thousand dollars, depending on what I'm doing. Here's my my perspective on this when it comes to more specifically relationship side of things. I believe it's an injustice for me to just if someone let's say if someone's single, because it's usually someone that's single or someone that's having a challenge in their relationship and they're trying to figure out should they stay or should they leave? Mm-hmm. It's usually one of those two. things. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, generally. Yeah. It, it usually is. Um, so with someone that's single asking about the future of their relationship or a potential relationship, that is, it's not about that next relationship. It's about what has caused them to be in the state of singleness to not have that relationship. And that's where most people don't really want to dive into. So for me, it may be a situation where I say, listen, you're going to be single for a while and you need to be single for a while because you're still healing uh, emotional trauma from when your husband abused you two years ago. And that's a very common thing that shows up with me is to say, you asked about one thing, 
but really your soul is asking how to heal from the last relationship so I can be in a position to accept a new relationship when it occurs. But people don't ask that. What people ask is, will I find love again? And I believe that the skilled practitioner is able to tune into that. And I believe it's their responsibility to tap into, well, you're asking about a relationship, but let me talk about three years ago when you're you know, your husband abused you and beat you and you had the domestic violence issues and you finally got up the courage to leave him in the middle of the night and you stay with your mom. Let's talk about that. Now, it's interesting because I'm having to bridge and I, and I tell people it's a lot of it's also counseling. So I'm going to in in that one statement, I just did several things. One, I talked about prophetically what's going to happen in the future. Two, psychically, I said, I know right now that you want someone, but you're not quite ready. Also, the prophetic side of me tapped into the past, and I have to counsel you from that trauma of the past all the way into positioning you in a healthier space for the future. That's three or four things that are happening in that span of 10 seconds. So I tell people when they come to me is that come to me with a level of openness, also ready to do the work, because it's very, very, very rarely (laughs) that I'm going to say, yes, in two months, you know, you're going to find the love of your life. Yes, this person that you're with is the person that you're meant to be with. Actually, if people are with someone and they start asking me that question, that typically goes into commitment issues, trust issues. Um, maybe they, you know, the spouse cheated on them a couple of months ago, but they still really love them. So now they're having to work through issues of anxiety, resentment, forgiveness with that person. So spirit literally may tell me, you know what? This person, yes, cheated on you three months ago and you have not forgiven him. And it's not him. It's you. You have a horrible time with forgiveness. And this forgiveness stems back from um, your dad. You've still not forgiven your dad for not being there in your life. And your dad left you and your, your mom when you were eight years old. And that's the problem. You're, yes, your spouse cheated on you, but you're attributing the anger and rage to your spouse when it's really stemming from the anger and frustration you have from not ever forgiving your dad from when you were eight years old. So on a, on a profit side of things, that's how I'm working. So for me, I tell people, like, if they need to be on that journey with me to allow for me to unpack it with them so I can really help them heal and move forward. It's not about a relationship. Hmm. No, it's it's always it's like the, yeah, I know what you mean. It's always the the it's always the why behind it or why you're asking it. I understand it. It's like the same as the illness. We get into the root cause of something rather than just dealing with the symptoms, which is the really important thing. And so, so that I mean, you mentioned a few things there, like the soul. Uh, I really, I'm gonna get into it. For, I'm gonna get into that in a well. No, we're gonna get into that now. Okay. But I want to go. I do want to delve into childhood and, and how you come into this. And I want to go into a few other things as well. I think it's important because it's an interesting yeah. subject. But you mentioned the soul there to people, right? What yes. would what would you say? Because you know, um, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Steiner who said like everything's got a soul. But then you've got like a, like for example, plants have got a mineral soul. Animals have got a different. And then we've got a like human soul, very different because we're, you know, so like lions, for example. He talks about lions do things. In, in terms of the pride, you know, a lion it doesn't that it won't go and like we can we can go and drink ourselves to death or smoke take drugs. So we, we can do things that are self sabotaging, and that's like a human soul. But, but like, what is the soul to you? Is it energy? Is it spirit? Is it what makes us us? I mean, what what would no. you say the soul is? 
No, I, um, I, I make a distinction between all of those things. To me, energy is not the same thing as spirit. It's not the same thing as the soul at all for me. Um, I say it this way. Spirit is the infinite. Energy is the ingredient of the infinite. And the soul is the individuality of the infinite. Um, spirit is the thing that has always been, will um, be, and forever is. It is the thing that is pervaded throughout all the cosmos and all of the multiverses and in all of the spaces of matter. It is spirit. It is it. I believe that the thing that um, causes things to manifest, to form, to materialize is energetic. It is energy. It is the ingredients of creation itself. Um, it's almost like baking a cake. You know, the egg is not the cake. Yeah. The milk is not the cake. The oil is not the cake. Those are, to me, that's like energy. So to say that uh, an egg is a cake is to misappropriate the purpose of the egg and also the collectivity of the cake. The cake is spirit to me. How the cake tastes to one person over another, the preference that one person has over pound cake, over chocolate cake, over vanilla cake is the soul. It is the individuality that makes us who we are. It is the, the personality of the, the permanent aspect of the universe. And so for me, I say all three of those are distinct, different things. And I think that knowing the difference um, really helps to know what you're working with. I, I believe that we are all connected to spirit. I believe our, all of our souls are distinct from that spiritual connection. Um, and that's the fun part of it. It makes us diverse. I believe that each soul, each person, um, well, I'll say it this way. Let me, let me rephrase that. Each soul gives a different distinction of the greater form of spirit. And that manifestation of distinction shows up in, in humanity. I believe that distinction shows up in plants. I believe that distinction shows up in animals um, and in, in all things. It is the thing that speaks to us um, versus the energy is the substance of those things. It, it's the difference um, of how it communicates to us. I believe that the waters, I'm looking at my screensaver on my computer. I believe that the waters speak to us. I believe that, that in that instance, the water has a soul. The plants speak to us. In that sense, they have a soul. Animals definitely speak to us. They connect with us. They have a soul. And as a consequence, I believe the, the role of the person that's conscious and aware of that is always asking himself, well, what is this thing saying about the God, the universe? What is it also saying specifically to me? So I believe that that can happen. That does happen with plants. What is this plant specifically saying to me? I, I mean, people that do ayahuasca um, know this very, very intimately. You know, the plant is um, universally having its own power. <laughs> it, it responds differently to each person. Have you done that? I, I think that's the soul of the plant connected with the soul of the individual saying, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Have you done that? I think this... Uh, um, not in a while. <laughs> it's but been you, quite a bit. But you have done it. Yeah. And it's, and I believe that the same thing is why people have different connections. with. Some people don't have a connection with plants or the mountains or 
the sunset. And I believe that's okay because I believe that not all people connect at the same level. And that's fine. And I don't believe that that takes away from the personality of a plant in this example. I don't believe it takes away from the uh, perception of a person at all. I just believe that it's people have different forms that they and ways that they connect with people. Mm-hmm. I believe that the the most powerful position that we can ever be in as humans specifically is to allow ourselves to be conscious of the communication and be conscious of those connections. But, and I think that that cha- has different, many, many forms. I believe that if we had that level of consciousness and connection with each other, our world would be in a completely different way. 100%. I mean, I believe that wars happen because of that. I believe that disagreements happen because of that. Racial tensions, um, issues in politics happen really because we refuse to wholeheartedly connect with people, why people are doing what they're doing, and then allow ourselves to listen to the consciousness and communication of that person. How do we change these things? Most problems come from a lack of communication. Yeah, I, I have, I, yeah, 100%. I have friends uh, who certain things, try and talk to them, and they just don't want to talk. You're like, well, how, how, how can you ever work through something or understand anyone without a conversation? It's just brilliant. It's like, it's like how would I... I do my consultation with my clients, say generally last like an hour or more. It's like, how would I know what they need without talking to them? What are they going to guess? You know, and it's the same as anyone else. Like, okay, that's coming from everyone's got their own situation, you know, like, so you have to understand where they're coming from, then you can have more empathy. I completely understand understand where you're coming from there. It's really interesting. I think it was Joe Rogan said, you know, uh, <laughs> doesn't think anyone should be prime minister or president without doing a hit of DMT because um, it would make <laughs> them like understand what's going on at a deeper level. And I think it's like, you know, plant medicines are, are huge, not just, but there's other ways that people do it through holopathic breath work. The breath work and different, all different things. So it's really interesting to, to hear your, your, your take on it. So this is one thing we talk about the soul, you talk about spirit. So I want to yeah. go back to when you first realized you had this gift because, for example, I mean, because first of all, like what is spirit? Like what was spirit when it first came to you? I mean, did your parents have this? this, this did your parents have this ability? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, think- I'll say it this way. That, well, that's a good question. So um, I'll answer the question about do my does it run in my family? I'll answer that and then go into the how it manifested because that's yeah. a interesting journey. I I'll say it this way with my family. My family on both sides, maternal and paternal, mom and dad side of things. I believe that it religiously is ingrained in my family. My grandmother is probably well. Not probably, but it was the biggest influence. It still is the biggest influence in my spiritual journey. She passed on in 2009, I believe it was, the the beginning part of 2009. And I attribute a lot, I would say, a lot of my healing perspective from her. I got healed of eczema in her old country church in Virginia. Um, I got healed of asthma in her church there um, after service. I saw a lot of those things happen in my home church because I grew up Christian um, in Virginia. We saw miracles. We saw people get healed of cancer, um, get healed of blindness, a lot of, I mean, crazy things. And so on a religious side of things, I was always in that environment where it it was commonplace to see those things. So I, I appreciate it at that. Now, do I have anyone on my family side that 
outside of the religious aspects goes into the supernatural like me. No, at least none that I know of. I'm, I'm really the black sheep in that space. But I believe that anyone that operates in that prophetic space is a can be a black sheep anyway. So that that's okay. I, I've learned to embrace that. Now, how does spirit manifest? That's always a um, a, a interesting journey. Um, to make a very long story short on that, I started having well, one I. It's funny. I think that. I always knew, but I didn't always commit to the knowing. Because <laughs> I believe that. Did you did you experience things and, and be like, for example, like did you? I mean, how old were you? Like, did you experience things and think, oh, eight. I talk and eight, right? And so did you talk to other other children and they were like, I didn't have that, or did they feel? Did you feel did they like? Did, did they like? Oh, he's a bit of a freak. What the hell is he talking about? Or Calvin's been lying, mum, like sort of thing. Any of that sort of happened? Oh, absolutely. Well, I will say I had the very, I will say everyday experiences happen where I would talk to people and say, oh, hey, um, your grandmother said that she really had a um, funny. I have all these stories that happened with me when I was younger. And I would be talking to someone like, let's say, a friend or, or actually not even a friend. A lot of times it may be a stranger that maybe was over still in my age. Like, oh, hey, um, I saw your um, your grandmother. And, you know, people knew kind of in a sense that I had these abilities in a sense. So it wasn't weird. And then sometimes I didn't quite know what was happening. I would just have I would just be talking and say things. So I would say, hey, you know, your grandmother said that she really enjoyed the party last night and it was really, really fun. And then they would say, well, my grandmother passed like two weeks ago. And then I would say, well, OK, I don't know this information, of course. And then I would say, but. She told me that, you know, I had a dream about her and she said that you had a party last night and your uncle was there and this person was there and this is what was said. And they were like, well, yeah, that's actually what happened. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And your grandmother, she was wearing this. And they would say, oh, well, that's what she was wearing at the time of her passing. So I would have those experiences. And to me, it's completely normal. It's like, well, this is what's happening. Or I would say, oh, you know, you're planning to go here, you know, next week. Your family is going to Nags Head next weekend. You've already got this hotel and yada, yada, yada. And they would say, well, I don't know. We're not planning that. And then they would go home and their dad would say, yeah, um, we're going on a vacation next you know, week to Nags Head. Surprise. And they would come back and tell me, like, well, how did you know that? So I had those very natural conversations that I, at the time, didn't know what was occurring. But it was the prophetic side of me just having normal conversations coming out. Um, now, on the other side, I did have other more supernatural things occurring. I would see angels. I would have situations with things levitating, <laughs> um, really, cups, yeah. the bed. I would have situations happening with me, um, and just. Did it ever scare burn. you? Did it ever scare it, you? N- no. You never had, yes. had a bad spirit or or things like yes, that. Yes, and I believe in bad. I would say bad spirits in the sense of what we would attribute to like demons or evil spirits. I believe evil spirits are spirits that we don't know how to place. Right. Okay. They're a little in- innocuous. I think that people, most people don't have a problem with this. What we say angels, because most people it's been programmed in our consciousness that angels are meant to help. Angels are meant to support. Angels are meant to give you messages from spirit. So we attribute those in our conscious programming as this is a good thing. So there's a, almost an automatic response of acceptance. Demons have been programmed or bad spirits have been programmed into what well, they're rogue. They have a mind of their own. They're rebels. And that goes into a space of the unknown. 
you don't, we don't know what to do with that. We don't know what to expect. So we would, we treat evil spirits just like we treat strangers in our normal life. I don't know where to place you. So I put up a guard. I don't trust you. And the problem is with spirits, if you can't see them, that's another layer of fear that we attach to it. I don't believe that that's, that's always a warranted fear. No more than every stranger is not out to kill you. It's not a, a mass murderer. It's just someone that you don't know. And you, are, you don't have an affinity to right now. So, yeah, did I have situations then where um, it was a little shocking? Yeah, absolutely. A little fearful, yeah, because you're learning that process. But it was funny, even in those spaces where it was a little fearful, there was always this deeper part of me that says, oh, yes, it's exciting. I meant to do this. It's a little bit of apprehension, but there's a it's it almost fueled the process to go a little bit deeper with me as well. So, yeah, on one end at that time, it was a little bit fearful. But then there was another part of me that wanted to go deeper. So, and wanted more. so when you, so you're eight years old, what was the first well, kind of things? What was the first spirit that you, you saw? And second and secondly, what do you, do you do you see people? Do you see outlines? Do you just hear them? But like how do they come about? All of the above. Really? So, so, so there's no particular one way? Especially in church. So there's no one way? It can be... Yeah, it, I, it, yeah it, it happens in a lot of different ways for me. A lot of times I will hear or I will sense, so like I'm sitting right now. I, I would be just on a more energetic sense. I would say, oh, you know, I can feel something over here to my right-hand side. Can you do And that I now? can feel like if it's a... No, not right now, as an example. Right. Uh, as an example, well, I can so, feel locationally where it is. Yeah, it's just interesting for me. Is in like when you're talking to me right now, is there things around you, things talking to you? Like, are, you, are you, is it like, is it? Can you switch that off, or can you just switch it on? I mean, is it? I, I can. I believe that that's a. Um, I believe that people that are in that, if you're in that prophetic space, I believe that you have the ability to turn it off and on. Right. I believe that training can also help you turn that on and off. Like I have a course that um, I call activations. And in that course, I actually teach people how to turn those gifts on and off at will, um, because it, I believe it is a point of training. So but as an example, I energetically I can say, hey, I feel something right here. It's about yay tall. It feels like it's a malevolent or, you know, or benevolent spirit. And I can kind of diagnose what it is. Sometimes I can also tell like it's not a angel or what people would call a demon. It's actually a deceased loved one. And I can tell the difference. It's a, it's more of a human energy, not a celestial energy. And then other times I can, I'll get like almost what people would call like a deja vu moment or like a daydream where we're talking right now. I can see you. You can see me. And then sometimes you almost have like these glimpses that show up. Like if you started to think, hey, I'm really hungry. I would love tacos. What may happen with you is your mind may attribute a an image to you that says, oh, go to the nice taco shop down the street, you know, and you'll start to get an image of the, the, the logo, the people there, the, the things around it, and you'll get it in a glimpse. But it's extremely real and detailed. You know the taco shop. So a lot of times that will happen with me. I'll, somebody's loved one will come up, an angel will come up, or something will come up in my mind, and I'll say, oh, it looks like this. Or it may not be a person. It may be a a situation. Oh, I see you buying a house. I, I had this happen with someone a couple of, no, actually it's about a year ago. I just thought about this. 
situation. And I was doing the reading. And I said, oh, I see you buying a new house. It's in North Carolina. And it looks like this. And I started describing it. And I also started, I said, oh, it also has a place for horses. Or do you have some like career in horses or whatever? Because there's a huge, um, you know, stable for like horses. And literally, she ended up sending me a picture. She said, the house that you described is the house that we're looking to buy. And that was actually a question that I had for you, whether we should go to California or whether we should go to North Carolina. She says, this is the, we're going to go with the house you just described. So, and I literally saw everything about the house. And then other times it actually, I see them as real as I'm looking at you right now really? on this, on this podcast. Really? And I'll say, oh, no, 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 they're right there. And this is physically how they look. So with me, when I was eight, going back to that, I would be in church. And I was also what they, I was the piano player. They call it like the minister of music. And it was not uncommon for me to while we were playing in our service where I would see physical spirits in the church service. And at that time, I would think, oh, I'm going crazy. I'm making stuff up. You know, kids have a very imagination, a strong imagination. It's probably something I saw on TV. Well, I would do that for quite a while until the preacher or the minister who would also have that gifting would end up calling it out. And he would say, hey, there is a spirit over there in that left-hand corner. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm not crazy. I saw that too. Mm. So I started having a situation where other people started confirming it. And it helped me know it was not a level of psychosis. It was a level of me perceiving what was actually occurring. And I, I've had people um, teleport in my room when I was younger. Um, other um, witches really? at the time. And what, and what, and what happens was, there with a witch? They would astral project in there. I, I, I would say at the time, that was mostly my fault because <laughs> I was causing unnecessary fights um, with other spirits, which now I'm a lot more mature and I understand that's just completely unnecessary. But at the time... Um, you're speaking different language here. Unnecessary Cal fights. Cal you're speaking different language here. Unnecessary fights. How are you causing unnecessary fights? What's going on? I'll think about it this way. An astral projection is a physical, um, you know, soul manifestation of someone from one location to another. It's literally no different than a dream state, right. which some people would say that the dream state is almost like an astral um, connection. Um, I say, and it probably is, it's more of an astral connection versus an astral projection. So to me, an astral projection is like, no, I am, my soul is physically there with you right now. And I would be on a soul level, I would be able to do everything that I, in person, that I would do if I were physically in person with you, which means I could touch you. I can drink with you. I can push you if I wanted to a lot of those things. And that's a way to astral project. Really, yeah. uh, astral connection is. People do this all the time. I had a dream about you. I had a dream that we were doing this. And then somebody else says, oh, my gosh, I had that same dream. You were astral connecting with each other. Right. That's all it is. Oh, a lot of people astral connect and they're, project, they're seeing what's happening in the future. You know, I had a dream about my spouse that I, that I was going to marry. You know, I saw this really beautiful woman. I saw this really, you know, handsome man. And then two months later, you connect with this person that you never knew, but you had a dream about. That's a connection. And so with me, I would have those projections where people would come into the room and would, you know, move stuff around and I would physically see them or push the, the bed um, or hit me. And yeah. it just would happen. Yeah. So literally it's, it's funny because 
the things that people see in the movies are not that far off. Well, on, the, on Ghost, for example, where if you throw in the can or whatever. Very much like Ghost. So, so could this happen to me? Or because I can't see them, it wouldn't happen to me? Like, could, could, a, could a spirit... It's not dependent upon that. It's dependent upon the ability of that other person. Right. Because so, so I can if see that other go person has the, the ability room. to do it... Go ahead. I was going to say, so I can see something go across the room or something, and it, and it, that's just them. It's not to do with me. Like they, they. That has nothing to do with you. Right. And this is that's why it's really funny. That's I will say that little thing is how I even describe the prophetic versus like the psychic. I, I believe the prophetic has nothing to do with anybody else. That is the power of that person wielding, you know, exercising their will divine will versus I believe that the psychic has a lot to do with the will and compliance of the other person. You know, if someone actually protects your room, that has nothing to do with you. That's their ability to do it. Now you may have the ability to block it, to put up uh, protections and things like that. But most people aren't in that constant state of protection. But also why would they come into my room? Would it be something that they feel that I have for them? For a lot of different reasons. They can come into your room. Uh, one, if, if you're talking about a, let's say, a disembodied spirit. Well, the house that you're in right now, you've been in that house, what, a couple of years? Well, maybe somebody died on that property or in that same house, and they died there 10 years ago. They may still be there. In this case, you're the intruder, not them. You're in their home. So they were there before you. So it's very interesting. You're only seeing them and they've been around for a long period of time and a lot of people don't think about it that way so it's not an issue of why would they be there it's almost an issue of like why are you there because <laughs> they you know um it's a funny way to look at it but it's kind of true mm. and i think sometimes what also occurs is if you're trying to i think this on a deeper level i don't think this happens with everyone but I think sometimes people come or ask to protect as spies. What's going on? What's happening here? Um, sometimes we call it uh, remote viewing. But I say you're a remote viewer. Can you do that? So, so I've had those situations where I could I'm literally, um, I think it's a little bit of distinction because oftentimes remote viewing is not um, projecting yourself actually there. It's actually more of a mental um, understanding of what's happening is a strong visualization, yeah. but I, they have the same essence yeah. to them. Yeah. And so I do that. I'm like, oh no, this is what's happening in your room. I've I've had this with people. Like, oh no, I if I'm on the phone with them, I know I can. I am remote viewing into your house. I literally see how your house looks right now. Mm. You know, you have a bed sheet. It's very checkered. The colors are blue and gold. Um, on the left side of your bed is a red light. You know, and you got this red light from um, an auction two weeks ago. Um, right in front of that is a bottle of water in a red cup. You know, on the floor are a pair of jeans and also a yellow t-shirt with a pair of underwear um, on the other side near your bathroom door. Do it. I'm literally remote viewing someone. Do it, do it to my room right now. <laughs> how quick, well, if I how, did, I have to, to put on some um, clothes. Hey, <laughs> how how quick can you switch that on and off though? Is, that, is it literally just like from doing your your affirmations, but you said you're like your opening statements or whatever it is? Can you then switch it on quite quickly? You know what? Um, Not just a remote viewing, but yes, actually a spiritual. Yes, stuff. yes, 
The short answer is yes. I think sometimes what happens, well, what happens with me is it goes into a realm of what is necessary okay. at this time. And so for me, I feel like a lot of that is not necessary. And so as a consequence, I don't activate it a lot of times. I would typically activate it if I, I'll say it this way. If I need the buy-in from someone yeah, and I need to almost shock their system, mm-hmm. that's typically how I would work it. Pat so typically yeah. that happens more with people that are skeptics mm-hmm. and I need for them, because of what's going to happen next, I need for them to have a level of faith and trust in me. I've had it before <laughs> and I try not to do it in this energy but if someone starts to um challenge me but but and for the sake of keeping the integrity of what i do i've had to do it in that case like okay since you are challenging me on the belief here's what's going to happen so i've had it in that case but it's funny oftentimes what people are really asking for is people are looking for an excuse to believe and I, it's almost like the, like maybe a, the Disney effect is we have this innate thing in us that we want to experience the supernatural. We want to experience the, the mermaids and the flying carpet. And we want to experience the, you know, going through the wardrobe and ended up in a, a whole other place. We want that. It's funny. I think that everyone has that, in a sense, that childlike faith. That mm. says anything is possible. Anything, yeah, 100%. I think that as well. It's, it's the funniest thing. And so for me, sometimes when I'm operating in that very quick turning on, I'm giving people a glimpse of that that very, that fantasy world <laughs> that exists. Yeah. Giving so, people a little down rabbit hole. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, to say the least. No, it's, really, no, it's, just, it's interesting for for people like myself because it's like interesting just to th- just think about how things are for you just day-to-day life and how you can switch it on and off and just how yeah just just because like for example if you wanted for example just just for example we, you, you see those quick readings if you wanted to do something for me right now for example like it not to remote view but just to like switch that on and to be able to hear or for example when you say like you, there you said like a celestial being yeah um, yeah. yeah, celestial being. So, when if you're talking to someone like myself, say, say you're doing a reading for myself, whatever it was, sure. W- would you, would you, would my spirits or my angels or celestial beings, are they all different things? What do, who do you talk to? Is it who's around me, what you can see around my aura, or, or is it who comes to you? Now? Yeah, no, just, well, just for example, yeah, well, now, for example. Oh, just as, as an example. Yeah, I mean, or now, like, if you, if you look at me, is it, would it be a spirit, a celestial being, or I've got them written down here, or would it be a, a like, an, an angel? Is that, is that what you see, those they, they, they different things? Well, I think that's a two-part question. Okay. <laughs> so I'll answer it in two parts. One, the first thing I got was your grandfather. Okay. Um, so that was that aspect of it. Um, but I guess on the educational side of it, who comes or who am I talking to mm. specifically? It it's one of it really depends. So uh, yeah, because sometimes it is a relative. Um, sometimes it is a angel or uh, another spirit. You mm. know, I, I tend to group angels and demons under the category of a spirit. Okay. For me, 
Um, sometimes it is an ancestor. It may be someone in the um, lineage three or four generations down. Sometimes it is a, a being that is not of this particular planet or ecosystem, as it were. Like when I channel, like I typically right now channel uh, one of two spirits, or one of two entities, I should say, really. Um, and both of them are collectives. And one of them I call the council. One of them I call the Elohim. And they have two different. Um, Elohim, I've heard that term before. What's two different mean? missions. Right. And I know when I'm doing that. But when I'm channeling, it's a whole different beast because when I'm channeling, I'm literally being taken over and I am not speaking to them. They are speaking through me. So that's a whole different process. And so and that can happen for several hours. I could be in a channeling session for four to six hours, really? literally just them speaking, them constantly speaking back and forth. And so that's a lot different for me. Like mm. um, Is that what the when they are speaking. They're very much focused on the soul evolution of people. And they're a lot more approachable. They enjoy the question and answers. They feel very much like parental figures of, um, of people, of humans. The council... Not so much. They are very diplomatic. They are focused more on the the planet. They are focused more on the galaxy, what is happening. They are extremely um, governmental. And it's very... There's never been a conversation that they are actually that concerned about humans individually. They are concerned more about the, um, <laughs> the government and the things that maybe humans are doing that are affecting the planet. And so when they come through me, those two different entities, the energy space is a lot different. One mm. is more militant. The other one is a little bit more meaningful. And I, I know the difference <laughs> back and forth. And is that, um, let's say yeah, that when you're talking to someone or is that just you getting information for yourself? No, that never happens when I'm talking to someone indi individually, ever. Now, you know, does that happen with some other people? Sure. It just doesn't happen with me. So when I am channeling, it is all, for me, I feel like almost like prophecy to an extent. Prophecy, while there is a very individual aspect to it, the prophetic actually works best on a more collective standpoint. It is really about what spirit, what God is saying for the collective. Now, it, it, it does get individualized because, you know, individuals make up the collective. Yeah. But the prophetic in its best sense is very much governmental. It's very collective. I do my best work with organizations, um, people, um, you know, situations, climate-wise, than I do even individually. Right. It's just how the gift works. Same thing with channeling. Channeling, I do on my workshops where there's a group of people, or I would do that online, but it's still a collective. Like, what are the gods saying to everyone? Mm -hmm. And what, yeah. and what and so what have you what have you come across recently regarding like our planet the world maybe like where we're going with things with like 5g things like this i mean as because i mean from my research interviewing people like dr david davis and other and nick Pennell, etc 5g things like that are an absolute health disaster um, and other, other things where our food's going etc what 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 are you what are you getting it's very interesting because uh, on a 
synergized form of how I would say it's very synergized, meaning what I see prophetically, what the council and also the Elohim have said uh, in their respective times with me. I over the next two to five years, I actually see a, a, a stronger interference with a lot of um, the human perspective. I see. I am. I keep calling it um, the great um, blackout. <laughs> Mm. That's just my terminology because I don't have any other way to voice it right now. Mm. Where um, divine communication goes dark, it, it goes dormant. You, 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 and your spirits goes dormant. Yes, where people will actually almost have a. It, it'll feel like they're not connected with spirit. It will almost feel like communications and transmissions from spirit have um, stopped. We will go through this almost very, very strong hollow period. Some people will. Um, I think we're going to start seeing the swing of this with some of the technology side of things happening um, with us. I also believe over the next two to five years, what will start to happen is we'll start to see more um, breakthroughs, mostly on the medical front. And it won't be an issue with cancer, but it will be other things um, like prevention of colds during certain seasons. It's almost like a really strong um, proactive medicine that we'll start to see. So as one, on one case, we'll start to see very strong increases on the technology side of things, very strong increases on the medical um, side of things. And we'll start to see some um, almost, I'll say like treaties with a lot of our government agencies, which, which will almost give the, I won't say illusion, but it will give the insights into the humanitarian side of things of us progressing forward that we will see that aspect. But consequently, on the spiritual side, we're going to start seeing some blackouts, experiencing blackouts. People will almost feel like, okay, what happened to the spiritual communication? What happened to my connection with God? What happened there? I'm calling it the blackout. And a lot of that is from a standpoint of recalibrating who we are as soul energy beings. Some of this is from a standpoint of um, helping to prepare us for the next higher form of communication as it were some of this is also filtering out i also for the most part most of this is filtering out people that have come into this space i would say unlawfully where they're not necessarily hearing from spirit but they are taking advantage of the industry of spirit which is very very different mm. and so during that next two to five years, it will weed out a lot of those people because what will happen is the motivation will wane very strongly with them because it won't, they won't be as effective and as useful moving forward. It will seem a little weird because it will seem very hollow for most people. Uh, and what will almost happen is over the span of like the five or seven years, you know, um, moving forward, is it'll almost get this, to the space where we'll have such a focus on the human aspect of us that the spiritual aspect with us will almost be an afterthought. Because there'll be this huge, and it's funny, watch it, there'll be almost this huge portion of, we don't need to be so spiritually minded, we are also human. Mm. And so a, a strong philosophy of socialism will come up, a strong philosophy and ideology of humanism will come up, a strong ideology of social connection will arise, which is great. I won't say that that's bad, but what will occur in that standpoint is there will be a, a stronger emphasis on our 
soul humanity versus our spiritual essence. And so as a consequence, it will normalize the human species. So things like the supernatural, things like psychic abilities, things like intuition, things like me hearing consciousness will seem like the story of old. It will seem unnecessary until that time passes. So that's going to be a good two to five years with another two years of preparation time uh, of unfolding. But it's, it's very interesting. Next year, um, we'll start the beginning of that process. Socialism, we'll start yeah. Socialism scares me a lot. Because yeah. yeah, because it's uh, uh, a dangerous. Well, look at history. Um, it's because it already started in America. Your country's already. I mean, America's wackadoo is in terms of like started to police certain things, and if you can't say this, it's almost like the offended Olympics has started. You know, uh, who can and that be, will grow stronger. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's like who can be yeah. the most oppressed, and it's yes, like our president will actually have a shift over the next um, four to six months, even in popularity. And this is the thing that's funny. I, these are things I actually haven't. You're getting like the, all the inside secrets now because I haven't actually put this out in public yet. Um, but our president, in the United States at least, will um, have a very, very strong um, shift in his popularity. I believe some of this um, is going to happen because I'm seeing um, another world leader actually um, passing over the next couple of months. And I think um, that that union will actually shift some of the popularity for our particular president. And upwards or downwards? Upwards or downwards? Up, actually, up. And it, it will feel like it came out of nowhere. And it will feel like a almost a 180 hmm. of perspective with him. And it will almost be like an underdog um, approach. Like, well, the person that has been this way for so long it now feels like we're dealing with a whole different person. And as a consequence, that will also usher in that very, very strong level of social empathy, especially with the United States, over the next couple of years. Um, and it's funny how that's going to happen, but it, it's gonna, we're almost going to go into this new stage of civil, I won't say civil rights, but almost a level of civil responsibility one to another. Mm. And it's going to be interesting because it's going to feel almost like spirituality is an unnecessary tool. And there, what will arise out of that is almost this unspoken resentment that people have felt and have had. And as a consequence, people won't look to spirituality like they have been before. Um, there will be a few isolated um sex that will be a little bit more profitable during this time but for the most part there's going to be a stronger focus on us as humans and our connection with each other like like never before so that'll be that'll be very very good but i would say that the flaws of that will be almost like what it, it can be a little renegade because what happens is we'll have people policing other people. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's already, it's already happening. <laughs> so it'll be a little interesting, mm. to say the least. It's just like, um, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I can see it going that way. Uh, I can see it going, and I think it's, I can see a big pushback from it as well, um, probably because uh, it's. Just, I'm, I'm very much the person of like um, my problem with socialism is like things like that is it's just 
no one's taking responsibility for themselves. It's all about the collective. It's like identity politics. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like how about you just do it's one of the reasons I uh, I don't know if you know who Jordan Peterson is, you might know him. He's got a book out called Who's that? Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson, do you know do you know him? Oh Jordan Peterson, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. one of his books, yeah. Twelve Rules of Life. Well one of his things he says is that get up and make your own bed in the morning. Just simple as that. Because at the end of the day, people are trying to change the world and they haven't got their own house in order. And it's like that's one of the things I'm always just like take care of yourself the way you take care of yourself you take your kids care of your house and you can take care of your community and it's a, rather than being Absolutely. like rather than being like everyone else has to take care of me and that's that's an issue because it's weird because we do this and I'm very much for like love and I want everyone to be happy and anything but I'm also like I want everyone like don't this is one of the things I really agree with it's like life is hard and, and situations are hard you it's like you don't take away all it's when you bring when you bring up a child for example you don't make life easier for that child you make him tougher to the situations okay if you want a child to go through and make not be to go through ridiculously tough times but you know it's like you don't make a champion um by getting him to beat all the easy opponents you get him to steadily get hard, harder harder opponents before he 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 meets the hardest one and he wins you know it's like it's how you tell you it's how you mold people you know it says it seems any, yes. any, anything i think it's huge and i think there's a lot of things going on today where people are like oh I'm oppressed or this, that, the other. It's like, I deserve this. It's like, you know, we, we've all gone through changes and I think it's just taking that self-responsibility. I think it's a huge thing. Like you said earlier, you can give someone a reading, but unless they take on board what you said and put it into action, the readings doesn't mean anything to them, you know? And I think taking that action is a huge part of, of life and the journey. It's how you, it's how you grow. Right. And, and just sitting there and, Oh, it's okay. Let, let someone else, um, let someone else, well, the collective do do the talking for me. It's a little bit like, because it's very frustrating for me. I'm just sort of like, do you know? Do you know? I, that's just my personal opinion. Because I, I think that everyone, no. of course, of course, like everyone, there's certain people that really do need help. And that's fine. But I think it just it spills over to part of people that could get get up and do stuff and make a big difference in the world. Just sit there and go, well, you know, I'm oppressed. I can't do this, and because I'm black, for example, or because I'm this, or because I'm that, you know. And and it's just like. Uh, it's one of the, no excuse. Yeah, no excuse. I think it. Well, you're like it's. Um, so, mate, I, I don't know. Um, was it um, host that Jesus was on Joe, Joe Rogan's podcast the other day? He was phenomenal, and I uh, also um, Candy. So, and she was talking about things, and just just because I'm talking, obviously, of coming from a, a black perspective, I'm white. I can't say anything about that. Yes. But they were talking about like yeah. talking about how socialism and that certain parties have actually put down the black community because it made them feel like they need they need social justice they need people to help them but it's like you don't understand how powerful we actually are and i think like that's a huge thing and not just black community but it comes on to different different sections like lgbt and all this other stuff and it's like how about just be the best human that you can be i'm a humanist like you say be the best person you can be do the best you can and then strive up from there i don't know maybe i'm maybe that that's you know no i think what what people are wrestling with and what maybe we've always wrestled with is the the form of maybe systematic, you know, discrimination, systematic challenges, mm. which I believe is very very different from a the social mm. um, dynamic that we're dealing with. So on one end, I would say, are there times that the system is not as efficient as it needs to be to support the benefit of all? Absolutely, but. It's always very funny because I have to tell people like, well, the system is not a system 
of machines. It's a system of people. People are running the system. So at the end of the day, this is still a people issue. And the challenge is I don't see that there's any difference from someone saying you need to respect me and you're forcing them to have a different connection with you. No different than how they are perceiving you. I don't want to have a connection with you or I don't like you for this particular reason. What makes your forced affinity different from their forced awareness or forced um, anything with you? I don't think that there's any different. I think now if we're talking about how do we cause people to not be harmed because of that, I think that's a conversation. Mm. You know, if it goes into actually physically harming people. Uh, no, no, uh, yeah. That's a different conversation. Yes, let's have some laws, let's have some um, regulations, things in place to prevent that. If it's um, a situation where someone is um, unfairly being held back from certain opportunities, if it can be proven, then yes, let's have that conversation. And again, we've had these over the years with human rights, civil rights, with women and other ethnicities, things like that. Again, if we could prove it, I think a lot of this goes into self-fulfilling prophecies where it's more about people's hurt feelings and offense. Someone doesn't like me. Well, the reality is there's always someone that doesn't like you, be it your religion, be it your skin color, be it your or sexual orientation. If you want to focus your energy on trying to correct the everyone's individual ideologies, that's going to be a a lot of work mm. versus how do I become and how do I express the best version of myself, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which I think is a lot harder for people to do. It's a heck of most people that talk about, oh, we just need to love and be peaceful. Really, what they're asking everyone to do is I want you to be what I want you to be so you don't cause any challenges in my life. Yeah, That's yeah. really what people are saying, yeah. which is why I don't talk like that. Mm. I'm not asking for anybody to be anything other than who they there be. Now I will. But that's because you don't take well, offence. So I mean, you if you say something, no, 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 but neither do I. And if suddenly if you say something that offended me, or like I was like, well, I wouldn't be like, oh my god, I mean, you should be put in jail for that. It's like you're the only country in the world at the moment I think it still has free speech, and they're trying to take that away. It's like that's offensive. So like Jordan Peterson said, like in order to to think, you have to risk being offensive. It's like it's like I'm sure Absolutely. he said like one to one, it might not offend someone. Okay, but one to ten. Well, maybe you offend someone. One to a hundred, you're definitely going to offend someone. One to a thousand, it's like, well, where do you stop? And, and, that's the, right. and that's the thing with it. And so I, that's why it's great to get people. When I saw Daniel Facebook wall, I see the things you're saying. I was like, yeah, someone actually talks and speaks his mind. And this is the issue we're getting now with things like Facebook and Twitter and certain things. Certain opinions are being taken off or like some people are being taken off or demonetized on YouTube. And this is the problem that we've got because all of a sudden someone say, oh, you said something. You said that you could, that someone in your um, readings or whatever got healed by cancer. That's disgusting. My my mum went and she died of breast cancer. How dare you say that, that you could have healed her? I'm offended. Now, Calvin right. Witcher, you're off Twitter. Now, Calvin, you're off YouTube. And this is the problem we've got, right? Because... Absolutely. Absolutely huge problem. And I'm, I'm very, very outspoken because, you know, especially if it comes to Facebook, YouTube, um, or whatever the medium is. Now, on one end, I can respect the the ability for a private entity to do whatever they want to do with their platform. And I'm, I, I stick to that. However, I will say this. When it goes into censoring someone's philosophy, ideology, their perspective, I'm just not about that. I mean, we've had this with Minister Farrakhan, which I actually appreciate. 
um, his teachings, the Nation of Islam. We've had this with um, what's the guy who does a lot of the conspiracy theories? Alex um, Jones. Yes, Alex Jones. Now I think Alex Jones is a little cuckoo for cuckoo, for Cocoa Puffs. However. I can appreciate that he is convicted by what he believes. And I also, I've listened to Alex Jones over the years. I think sometimes people are a little bit more on the shock factor that is quite necessary. But, you know, that's just my perspective. It's fine. I don't have to listen to Alex. And I think well, that's, that, that, comes, that's the thing. You don't have to listen to I don't him. have to listen you to can, him. No one's forcing Yeah, you can shut it off. And so you can just, like, ignore it. And this is the thing that it, it just does in my head. And it's like... Oh, you got it's like you're not. It's, it's like another thing with people like Alex Jones is just because you don't believe one or two or three things he says doesn't mean that he's wrong about everything. And it's the same with everyone. Like they don't. And so it's sort of like people like to just say, "Oh, he said one thing. He just uh, he should be banned from everything." It's like, well, what happens when it happens to you? And this is the thing that and, it, and then people have a problem with that. Yeah, right. And my thing is, I said, listen. One, you don't have to watch or listen or tune in. Two. If it doesn't resonate with you, he's probably not talking to you anyway. Mm. And so, like I've said this before, with there, everyone speaks to the the community and the conversation that is the most effective for them every single time. Every speaker that has a platform is speaking the conversation that that is effective, and two to the community that needs to hear it. There are some white speakers that are speaking to a, a primarily white audience. There are some people that are speaking to a primarily Australian um, audience. There are some people that are speaking to a primarily black audience or, you know, Christian audience or professional audience or conspiracy theorist audience. And that's okay. If you don't fall into that category, it's not for you. And if you get offended by someone, I don't know, you know, um, Susie Orman talking about finances and how you need to invest in your life and you're offended because you don't have any money, then it's not for you. It's, Turn the yeah, channel. It's just it's, it, well, society generally. Like if you say something or I say something, Calvin, and and society doesn't like it. Generally, you know, we'll we'll know by the reaction of people. They haven't got a completely police. What is it? Free speech is huge. It's like it's like because this is what um, someone said. Like oh, that you shouldn't be able to say that. For example, certain words. Like well, why not? Oh, it's offensive. Okay, so who gets to choose what words we say? The people that used to enslave people like the, the 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 founders of our things it's like you're going to put that power in their hands you know and it's like it was it, it was like it was against the law for um i'll see the other day um and frank for example it was against the law to feed mm. jewish people right it's against the law but but morally you know it's like what the laws haven't always been the best the best of people's interest so right. it's it's right. just amazing uh, that, that this why you'd ever want to take away someone's free speech i think it's i think it's uh this, right. is, this, was, this is you brought this up anyway i don't want to get political on this show but no, i have my apologies <laughs> no, because no no I no, do I. no no do because, I. everything everything's positive I mean, I'm talking about anything, so it's fine no. it's funny because on the for me as a prophet especially the history of the prophetic um especially in a well it's funny the history of prophets is actually more political than it is spiritual. Hmm. So I'll give you a good example. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with like the Bible and this guy named Jesus, right? The uh, most of my audience would be aware of this because we talk. I talk about Jesus a lot, but I, mean, I talk about other people like Buddha and Krishna and Odin and other you know religious yeah, no, figures. No, I'm, I'm, Roman, I'm Roman Catholic, so I know Jesus. Yeah, so I, I love Jesus. Jesus is cool. I'm not Christian for anybody out there listening, but 
I like the um, I like the conversation that Jesus has. So a great example is Jesus has his twelve apostles, um, sometimes called the twelve disciples, but mostly twelve apostles. The well, I'll say let me go by the, the prophet side of things. Then I'm going to go into Jesus. Every prophet of old, specifically in the Bible, were all political offices. They were um, almost like an advisor to the um, the hierarchy of that particular day. They were the ones that actually came in to say. Uh, go to war or do not go to war. Here's why you shouldn't go to the war. The prophet was actually the one that was designated to, in a sense, call on the gods for the the pretty much for the um, help of the king or the pharaoh or whoever else. That way they were successful. Or if a, um, a ruler was having a problem, didn't know what to do with their people while something was happening, the prophet was the one that helped guide them into the clarity. It actually was never originally a spiritual position for the people. It was actually a spiritual, uh, a more political position for the leadership. In, in the original context, you see, you see that in quite a lot of films. They go and they go to the council. That they go to that. Yeah, they have they their own the, council. Yeah. The council. And actually, the, the prophet in, in the etymology of it is one that speaks on behalf of God. They were actually delegates, well, yeah. divine delegates from God, in a sense, almost like God saying, "I'm not going to be here. I am sending you a prophet to speak on my behalf and to operate with the same level of authority that I do." It would be no different. If the United States sent a delegate to another country, that delegate is literally operating under the same level of power as the president. But they could come to you, for example, in the film, because people know this film 300, you know, where um, Gerald Butler, who's playing King Leonidas, mm -hmm. goes to hit the disciples and they speak to the spirit and they say, you should go to war, you shouldn't go to war. But obviously they've been bribed, but that's even in that series, they go and they speak to people. He's the king and he's going to these people because that's what they have to do. That's like... You guys uh, can speak to spirit, you know. Uh, it, even ancient cultures, like wisdom, this wisdom is being passed down. It's been, it's really right. thought of as something sacred and special, right? Right. And then some nations get that, like Tibet. Most people don't realize that the Tibet actually has their own prophet. They call him the Oracle of Tibet. And he operates in that position even to this day. Um, shamans, traditionally, operate in the same space. If there's a problem in the community or in the land, the, the shaman was the mediator to cause um, the famine to go away, to work with the spirits to bring rain and harvest. The, the shaman was not just a healer to the community. The shaman was the mediator to the gods. Th that's actually the history, very rich history of people like prophets, shamans, um, and oracles. Now, it's funny because most people don't understand this. This is actually the case with Jesus. This is Jesus was more political than he was a preacher. And the reason that Jesus actually got um, killed or why Jesus ended up having an issue that Jesus did was actually mostly political, not spiritual. And here's what happened. When he chose his disciples, here was the problem. In the Roman um, Greco time, whenever um, there was a battle, with people, the um, the rulers of that time, they actually sent delegates to go to the other country that had been defeated and take all of the, the property that was then theirs. It's almost like we went to war and we said, hey, we're going to war against this particular country. I'm not going to name a country because I don't want to create that. <laughs> but a particular country, we now own them. So I am sending my delegates to get the property and to start ruling that nation now that we own it. 
they were called apostles. It was a, actually military position at that particular time. So when Jesus stood up and Jesus said, I am now choosing my 12 disciples, i.e. my 12 apostles, the government of that time looked, did look at it as a form of anarchy and a level of a coup because they said, oh, this person has a whole multitude around him. And now he's coming to literally take charge and take over Jerusalem and Israel and all these other uh, places and the, the Roman community. He has chosen his apostles to go out. So what he, Jesus really said is, listen, this is a journey for the long haul. And when I'm gone, they're going to rule. That was a political move, not a spiritual one at all. People don't understand that, especially from the church, because people don't teach it from that level. That was literally Jesus doing a huge political campaign to take over that nation, which is why they killed him. It is no different than Martin Luther King, Malcolm X here in the States, when they started having an uprising and they said, oh, you got people that are listening to you. And now you have your own delegates that if something happens to you, one of them is going to take over which is why they start then trying to kill the apostles. It's literally no different than how we look at ISIS or a lot of other mm -hmm. terrorist groups. And we say, yes, the person, the figure is the person that we need to be mindful of, Osama bin Laden, whoever. But we're also looking at who are the key figures underneath him, because if one person, if the ruler dies, we have other people in this organization to take out. Yeah. That was actually the framework of Jesus. Same as, that, same, same as the, the mafia or anything like that. There's always people underneath that can take their, take their spot. Absolutely. Someone taking their spot. So then when you add that they were the apostles and they also were prophets in a sense where they were creating miracles and they were doing the supernatural, it's a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. They wanted, they wanted to kill every one of them. Yeah. And so it's funny when people talk to me about the, the prophetic I'm always in that space to say, no, actually, the prophet is the one that you would, you sh we really should see on TV talking about the injustices of this particular administration, the injustices of world hunger. The, uh, we are the actual the ones that would be calling up a God to deal with a terrorist group. It's very, very interesting. It's not, uh, it's, we have demeaned that role for things like, oh, let's do a reading. And so, it's a very, very different space mm. to be <laughs> all around. So, um, well, I th no, I think that if, if the world, like, this is why it scares me about this, because I think the world needs more people like yourself and other people I talk to on this show. Like, I think if we were in prominent figure, prominent figures in society, the world would be in a much, much better place, happier place. The food would be phenomenal. The rivers would be running clean. You wouldn't be having people poisoned. Um, <laughs> like, they're... they're yeah, they're just being bombarded by email frequency. A million and one things that's going on right now, all in the name of profit, all in the name of corporate greed. Um, and th these these people that are making the money off of this don't realize that they're going to be killing their own children too when it comes out to you. know, what's that famous thing? I think it's from the Indian, uh, Red Indians. It says, when the last stream's been poisoned, when the last um, field's been polluted, you know, people realize you, you can't eat money. Um, it's like, it doesn't matter how much money you make in the day, nature. Right. Is what we need, and so, no, man, man. Right. I think it's a, it's a conversation. I mean, it's been brilliant. And I think that's, I mean, this is even the royal family. They don't go anywhere. They don't buy a property without their house being doused. You know, they use homeopathic remedies. They use. They've got an organic garden. They've got their own organic farm. They're not stupid. They know these things. They use these people. I mean, I'm sure they have 
some sort of psychic or some sort of reader going a hundred percent because they they've they've come from these traditions and they like they they when um Harry and Meghan had their baby like she she went to yes. she went to a homeopath she didn't go to a normal doctor she went to, to a biological right. medicine practice so they know these these things energy so I mean everything's energy right, right? and it's just you're just more you're just like an antenna you can just feel it pick up the frequencies more like someone some people can be really disrupted by phones other people can be disrupted by certain things you can pick up these things it's a it's a very interesting skill um it's a, i mean i imagine your day-to-day life's quite quite interesting yeah it's actually it's very very interesting and you know now i will say my intent and goal and, and desire is that um we do see more of that prominence on the political scene with that, I think it's absolutely necessary. I believe that, you know, and again, I think all of these gifts and roles are necessary. I, I believe we need the natural paths and the psychics and those people that are helping people on the individual level. I also believe that we need those other more positions in government yeah. as well. I mean, it's so funny. We talked about the Bible. Most of the prophets in the Bible are, are cuckoo. I mean, they're, they're crazy. They're militant. They're radical. They are, I mean... They're getting mad at the, the kings and rulers. They're saying, like, you know, it's not going to rain. There's going to be a famine and, until I lift it, until I say the sun is not going to shine, until I tell it to. They're crazy. They're powerful, but they're crazy. I mean, it would literally be like me standing up right now saying every bank in America, you are going to start losing millions of dollars until you change your policies with lending. And until you have crazy legislature you will start to lose millions of dollars by the day oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and it will not change until i say so it's uh i mean all these religious books they mean i mean quran with muhammad i mean he was a warlord and you, know, you talk about certain things like that and it's just different things yeah. where you go around it's like they all it's like certain things for religion are really good and there's other things for religion which are you look at it and go how about we're in like say the year two, two, 2019 you know it's like yeah, it's, yeah. One, it's the one thing about the Quran. At least Bible's got a, a version point two zero. Um, this Quran sort of hasn't, and there's certain other things with like. I mean, everyone, even seen in say in Tibet or in other Buddhist countries, there's lots going going on sort of there with, with the monks. I mean, every every religion seems to have a fraction that's fanatical, and that becomes an issue because. You know, here's the here's the thing about that. I believe that most. Um, how do we say, I believe that most religions that end up going into a state of fanaticism is an issue of focus. Mm. And here's what I mean by that. The, the, mm, what's a good way to say this? What I've seen is religions that end up um, being very fanatical typically lack a living voice. Someone that is currently transmitting the spirit and essence of their religion like, in a current like time. Like the Pope? Like the Pope. The, the Catholic Church is actually a very, very good example of this. No one would really say, on the, at least on the surface, that the Roman Catholic Church is a fanatic religion. No. Most people would say that. Not, not anymore, Maybe anyway. dictatorial. Not anymore. No, yeah. Not anymore. anymore. Yeah. You know, are there times of extreme control? Yeah, but I think that's just the nature of any form of business or leadership. So I don't, I don't count that. Yeah. But fanatic, no. Mm-hmm. I think what most uh, fanatic energy comes from is trying to protect the foundation. Mm. 
And that's what we see the problem with. And I think this is across the board, even with terrorist group. It's like you're trying to create connect to protect a foundation of what was. This was our nation from the beginning. Our God created this 2,000 years ago. Our apostles and prophets created this religion 8,000 years ago. We are the original religion. And so as a consequence, it's very protection-driven, which causes people to be very fanatic. Most religions that I see that have a living, breathing, I would say, prophet or living, breathing person that is actually saying, this is what we're doing, this is the relevance of our religion now, don't have that fanatic energy because it's a living, breathing organism. They have their creed, yes, but it's meant to be flexible and, and organic. Christianity really doesn't have that in a open sense. A lot of it is driven to, well, Moses gave this law, Jesus did this 2,000 years ago. You know, this happened with Adam, you know, many, many generations ago. And it's all designed to protect what they feel is the integrity of what spirit initiated. And as a consequence, it makes people very, very fanatic yeah. in a sense, because it, anything that you have to protect is you have a fear of loss with it. L lo you know, losing your foothold, losing your perspective, losing your power, in a lot, your identity, which causes people to be very fanatic. On my sense, I, I see the necessity of having that, ancient history or that legacy, I also more come from the standpoint of that's no good if you cannot translate that in the present. What is spirit saying now, not just what spirit said then. And so, for instance, the um, Church of Latter-day Saints, the LDS Church, they have what they consider a living prophet. Their president is the living prophet. Do they have a history? Yes, absolutely. Very, very rich history. But they still translate that their prophet currently, which is their president, is the one that is breathing life into the relevancy of that church. So as a consequence, the LDS church is really not seen as a fanatic organization. Um, and that's just one example of it. I think the Catholic church is not seen as a fanatic. Um, I mean, are, is everything perfect? No, but no religion is. So. No, no, it's not, no it's, yeah, it's not fanatic anymore. Whereas there's certain sections. As you said, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, when you... No, not here to do it, but I mean, it is, certain things about all religions, I, I'm not uh, huge about this, but it's one that we can't even joke about anymore because it gets, becomes, you can't even draw certain people, and that's a big issue because the jester used to be the one that could do anything. You know, the jester would be the one that could take the mick out of the king, and, and he was the only one who wouldn't get beheaded because he was like the truth serum, and now you can't right. do that about a certain thing, and that's the problem. Even comedians are now having to start that. Oh, it's, it's like, oh, what? You go, was that a joke? What? Was that a joke from the comedian on stage at the comedy show? Yes, that was a joke. It's sort of like people, and this is, this is the issue we're getting to. But I think it's, it's wicked, man. Like, we've touched on some really good stuff here, Gal, and it's like, it's yeah. interesting to see where you see this going. And, like, and um, because I definitely want to get you back on in the future to see where you think, see what's going on. You said, like, a couple of years' time or years' time where you think this is going, how the movement's moving forward, and et cetera. It'd be really interesting. Like, what, what's, what's in store for you in the next. Next year, you got your retreats. What, what else are you doing? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, we have a lot of a lot of things that are in the works right now. Pipeline. And, um, I'm going to keep the secret, okay, as much as I can because I'm, I'm a holder of the secrets. But I will say this is this next move um, for me and for the the mission is a big one. 
it is um, a life work move. And it's, um, it's been one that has been in the work for quite a while, <laughs> um, to say the least. It's a huge undertaking for sure. So um, it's been, it's actually one too I've also been very meticulous about unfolding for quite a while. <laughs> I won't say hesitating. Well, how, how, can, how can people find out when it comes out? Would it be on your Facebook? Would it be on your website? Yeah, I would say the best place, definitely the website. So right now, calvinwitcher.com, best place to get all that information. My email list, which they can go to to subscribe there. The uh, social media, I'm pretty active on Facebook, um, even more active, becoming more active on YouTube as well. I'm occasionally on Instagram, uh, but I'll say the best social connections right now are definitely YouTube and Facebook, um, for, at least for the time being. When you say life's work, it makes you think of uh, Byron Katie, um, like the yes. life's work. So it's interesting. I'd be interested to see she what... She does great work. Yeah, she does great work. I'd be interested to see what you come up with. But um, Calvin, thank you very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. We've covered lots of different topics there. And I'm sure my <laughs> sure my audience will love it and, and get you back on in the... Uh, well, yeah, and we'll see what's going on. See if your predictions, your 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 prophetic predictions, come correct. And I'm sure they, sure they will. Judging <laughs> by the way the world's going, but it's been a really good talking to you, my man. Thank you too, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you for everyone that listened too, the, the entire time. <laughs> we appreciate it. So, thank you. Awesome, my man. So there we go, guys and girls. That was Calvin Witcher, and a very interesting conversation. Very interesting person. Definitely be getting him back on. Like all of our guests, you know, such great conversations, and just always got so much more to say. It was a brilliant conversation. Went into loads of different areas, and you know, it's it's spirituality and um, psychic mediums, and that side of the coin or that side of life is something that people can either be very into or not into, but when things happen to them, they, know they really want to explore it more. And everything is energy. And some things happen that you can't explain, you wonder why. And um, some people are just like antennas, and, and Calvin, as you can see, is like one of those. It's very similar to Lorraine Radcliffe who I had on before. I know lots of our people, listeners, have messaged me saying that they've spoken to her and that she could put their mind at ease or change their life around, which is phenomenal. So you know, I'm really a big fan of looking at different parts and different avenues different paths I should say different avenues and seeing where they lead um, and so yeah Calvin's a great has a great conversation Calvin's a great guy and definitely be getting him on in the future um, as for everything else guys and girls if you are dealing with a health issue and you've struggled to get any sort of resolution you've been to doctors specialists consultants and nothing's really helped you then so you can send me an email at ryan at reviveyourself.co or you can go to our website and click on the contact tab, fill out a form, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, and we can book a call to see if and how we can help you move forward and uh, get you back to living life on your terms out of that pain and frustration. Otherwise, guys and girls, that's it for this week. I'll see you next week. We've got a great conversation with Warren Williams, um, all about yeah health and wellness in the corporate world as well as gender. So that's it for me this week. As always, stay happy, stay healthy, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today.